Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. So we spent a lot of time during the break there with Darius chopping it up about the Ant-Man trailer that's uh-huh. out. That's all well and good. You guys need to check out the plane movie trailer that's out with Gerard Butler. I can't wait for Thursday night. Me, a bag of popcorn and a cola, by myself in a theater on opening night to see plane movie. It's called plane. It's called plane. Plane. Going to be awesome. What what is it? I mean, I know Gerard Butler. I know it's there's an airplane. All right, picture every movie Liam Neeson's ever made, but now he's a little too old to do it. So Gerard Butler's doing it now. Go. I'm and going then, to have to go back to row fifteen. And now throw you get shop. it. Yeah, there we go. So the, I'll give you this is the plot in thirty seconds before yeah. the Beltway Blitz. Okay. Captain of an airplane who, for some reason, is like. We're going to find out, I'm sure, his background, but incredibly skilled with Very trained weapons and, and knives throat chopping. And judo chops yeah. and stuff. Silly, right? Yeah. Think uh, Olympus has fallen Gerard Butler. He's like that guy, but he's a captain of a plane, which is the best version of him. Mm-hmm. Not like running around trying to get Catherine Heigl to love him. Okay. So he's the captain of a plane. They tell him, hey, we need this prisoner who's been arrested and doing time for murder to be on your plane. And he's like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, you don't have a choice. And then the plane goes down. Yeah. Everyone survives. This guy's there. But oh, by the way, they're in this area, like some rainforest area where like all the people there hate them and want to kill them. And now he and this guy have to like get everyone out. Let's go. Okay. Right. Let's so it's go. a little bit, little bit alive, a little bit um, uh, like passenger or something. Like, yeah, I see what I see what's happening there. It's like one a little bit part- lost. January action movie, the Liam Neeson special. You know what I'm saying? Nothing else comes out. Probably not a big budget, but let's rock and roll. Uh-huh. One part made for me. You get this movie. Uh-huh. Plane movie. Plane. Let's go. Very, very excited. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you'll see me in a theater near you on Thursday night. It is uh, time to get to the Beltway Blitz. The NFL with Nate Davis. The Commanders with Matt Paris. We'll start you off on the hardwood. Chase, we apologize. You waited way too long. Chase Hughes, NBC Sports oh, Washington.com. When a bad action movie with uh, Gerard Butler comes out, 
I just I lose my way, man. I just have to. It's all I can think about. I have to do that for a little while. So <laughs> we did. Speaking of bad action, the Wizards got beat by twenty last night. What happened, man? Well, they didn't name you Sportscaster of the Year for nothing, so I, I understand. Congratulations <laughs> on that, by the way. Thank you very um, much. That's kind of you to say. I appreciate you. Sure. Uh, so last night the Wizards went up against a Pelicans team that was missing Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, their top two scorers, yet the Wizards could not stop them on offense uh, on, while the Wizards were on defense. The Pelicans got super hot in the second quarter. C.J. McCollum was unstoppable. I mean, some of it was just him beating good defense, um, but really the Wizards shot themselves in the foot with turnovers. They had 20 turnovers last night that originally showed 39 points off turnovers in the box score. It's actually been adjusted to 41 today, and it's the most they've given up in a game since 2018. And it's a bit uncharacteristic for them. They're actually really good at limiting turnovers. They're like top 10 in the NBA in turnovers allowed and points allowed off turnovers. But uh, that was not the case against a really good Pelicans defense that uh, is uh, very, very good at at turning people over. Chase, do you get the sense that they know that they should be sellers here and they should kind of kickstart and and try to go down a different path? Or do you get the sense they're going to either stand pat or add at the trade deadline coming up here in about three and a half weeks? I get the sense that they are going to evaluate over the next few weeks and and make that determination based on how they do. Uh, They've got 14 games until the trade deadline, so it's a decent chunk. But certainly you don't want to take it all the way up until the the deadline. You want to have a good idea of what you're going to do so you can start – you know, really picking a direction with uh, the phone calls that you make and the conversations that you have. Um, so if they continue on this current course where they've lost three straight, of course they're not far removed from losing 10 straight, then I, I would imagine naturally they're going to have to become sellers uh, because not only would they be losing, but you're facing the prospect of a pretty expensive roster with Bradley Beal Supermax, and then you've got uh, Christoph Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma putting up good numbers and with the ability to opt out of their contracts after this year, which – Kyle Kuzma, everyone in the world knows that that's going to happen. He's going to get a significant raise. He's only making $13 million this year. Um, but, you know, if they can get on a, a little bit of a, a winning streak, then maybe they would become buyers. I don't think to a significant degree, but that's the determination they're trying to make, which I would imagine they'll figure out over the next five or seven games. What's, what's the latest on Beal? So he'll be reevaluated after tomorrow's game. Um, he hurt his left hamstring, and they said they were going to give him a week before they reevaluated. And we've seen him at practice, uh, you know, working on the court, going on the treadmill. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. He's, he's been going through some pretty strenuous on-court activity. Um, he's been sprinting baseline to baseline, and, and he's not playing in five-on-five or anything like that. But um, I would say he's ramped up to a degree that I was a little bit surprised by. I thought they were really going to take it easy. Uh, with him coming back from now a, a second time with the hamstring injury, re-aggravating an injury that has a tendency to to kind of follow that track. Those are generally pretty tough to, to nail down. So um, it, it looks to me like he's making good progress towards a return, and I think they'll know more uh, after tomorrow's game, so probably on Thursdays when he'll be reevaluated. I like Wes Unseld a lot, but how do we evaluate him uh, through a year and a half now? I mean, he's st- you could still see that there's a learning curve for him. Um, you know, I, I think uh, on one hand, uh, he, he's he's done a nice job, you know, balancing Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma and getting those three guys to buy in with a pretty equal share of the offense. But, um, of course, they had the 10-game losing streak, and, and you could point to injuries. You know, he mentioned injuries today when I asked him about 
you know, the first half of the season. But I also think that a, a great way to evaluate a head coach really in any sport is, is what happens when injuries occur because they, they are going to occur. You know, can you keep the ship afloat? Can you have your team, you know, carry on like nothing's uh, changed, like no one's missing? And the Wizards haven't been able to do that. Now, their defense has improved recently, so maybe over the course of the year, as they're healthier, they'll, they'll see better results. But uh, certainly right now, um, you know, it, it's not a, a position the Wizards would like to be in. It was definitely a disappointing first half of the year, and, of course, that reflects directly on him. Chase Hughes, always outstanding. Thanks for the time, buddy. We appreciate you. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. See you, bud. You got it. All right, let's keep it moving on the Blitz. Nate Davis of USA Today Sports joining us to cover the NFL. Uh, why don't we start with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Do you think he's going to play this weekend? I mean, Grant, I think it's a better question for John Harbaugh, who doesn't seem to know the answer to that either. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I have any insight on that one. Uh, it seems like it's a, the great mystery around the league right now. But, I mean, I'd also say that at this point, you know, what does it matter? I mean, he hasn't played or practiced in six weeks. So, I don't know, I don't know if it's fair to expect him to come in and, and save this team, you know, even if he's able to suit up. Speaking of expectations, I have no idea what to expect when the Dallas Cowboys play the Tampa Bay Bucks on Monday night. I could see Dallas getting right. I could see Tampa with you know Tom Brady pulling horseshoes from his tuchus and Dallas not showing up. I mean, Nate, I have no idea. What's your feel? Yeah, I mean, Damian, I think the NFC is pretty much wide, wide open, and that's a game. That game, I think, is a good a good microcosm. Uh, you know, I, I think what would Jason Garrett tell us? Dallas has lost four or five uh, on grass. You know, they lost to the Bucks earlier this year. You know, they're 0-7 all time against Tom Brady. So there, there's a lot of, you know, incremental little stats and data here that, that tells you that, that they could have trouble here. But, you know, from what they've done on the field, I mean, they just haven't played well the last couple of weeks. They haven't been generating pressure, which, you know, is, is the way to beat – Tom Brady, and then there's the issue with with Dak, and, and you know the interceptions in seven straight games and 15 on the year, um, you know against a defense that can get after you. So I mean, there, there's plenty of evidence to say that they, they can they can lose this game. You know they they found a way to lose playoff games and not be in the playoffs for 27 straight years. So I mean, there, there's a mountain of evidence to say yeah, this may not go well. By kickoff, the first of the six games this weekend is likely to be the most lopsided betting line. San Francisco already a double-digit point favorite hosting the Seahawks. Any reason to believe Seattle can give the 49ers a run? We think that's going to be worse than, than Buffalo and Miami? I Well, I guess it's possible that it won't. I, I guess I, I haven't ruled out the idea that maybe Tua can play, but if it's Skylar Thompson, then you're right. It'll be that one. Yeah. I mean, either way, you know, th- those games both look like uh, you're, you're pretty safe going with the home team. But, but I mean, I think either way, too, you know, particularly for, for people that are, you know, looking at the uh, entertainment value of these games. Um, I, think, I think you always got to be careful of, of uh, ruling out, you know, interdivisional matchups and you know and the 49ers have handled the Seahawks both times this year I think a collective 48 to 20 um but they lost four in a row to them previous to that um but you know Geno Smith never played in a playoff game neither has Brock Purdy so I mean there, there's some unknowns on that one um Seattle's lost four or five playoff games on the road and the only time that they won one was uh, in that stretch was when Carson Wentz was knocked out in the in the game that the Eagles had to play Josh McCown so you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of reasons to think that Seattle will win this game, but uh, you know, I wouldn't dismiss them out of hand either. I mean, they've got some they've got some weapons there, but it does look like a pretty bad matchup for them, particularly since they've got the worst run defense in the playoffs, and then the 49ers have you know a ton of guys in that backfield that can run through you. Nate, thank you as always, buddy. Appreciate the time. 
Thank you, guys. You got it, my friend. Hit that commander sounder for me. I got that there. Somebody, Matt Paris, Washington Times. Matt, do you think there'll be any changes to Ron Rivera's coaching staff? Oh, well, uh, J.P. Finley's just reporting that Scott Turner and the commanders have agreed to part ways. I'm still trying to track that down myself, but that would uh, kind of confirm everything that uh, today's press conference was uh, headed toward. You know, Ron Rivera was very terse when it came to Scott Turner and the job that he did in 2022. So uh, it seems like things have been headed this way for the while, and that would be a, a big shakeup. Yeah, so let's react to that. That is the breaking news here this moment, as you just said, and that is uh, JP of our midday shows saying that the commanders are parting ways with Scott Turner. If that is, in fact, what's happening, what do you make of that? Yeah, you know, I think this is kind of headed this way um, for a while. You know, you had Logan Thomas's wife come out on Instagram and uh, complain about her husband's lack of targets. Now, you know, social media posts, aren't enough to sway the decision. But look, you know, Washington's offense regressed um, heavily in 2022, despite bringing in what they believed was an upgrade at quarterback, to, despite drafting a wide receiver, a, rookie, a productive rookie wide receiver, and adding to the run game with Brian Robinson. And frankly, they just haven't scored enough points in his three years as tenure. You know, they've ranked 25th, 23rd, and 24th. That's just not enough to get the job done, but I'll be interested to see whoever Washington hires. You know, Rivera and Mayhew talked a lot about um, this run-first identity that they want to have and how successful can that approach really be going forward. Matt, I, I'm way more bothered by this, I think, than most people are, but I, I'm, I'm really annoyed at this idea that they always wanted to be this run-first physical downhill team, yada, yada, yada. Then why did you go get Carson Wentz and why did you draft Jahan Dotson in the first round? Why did you draft the defensive yeah. tackle in the second round that has nothing to do with the run game? You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I, I think that's like you're going down my leg and telling me that it's raining. It drives me crazy. No, no. I mean, the thing you did mention there is why did they then uh, fill the interior of the offensive line the way they did? They brought in basically two guys that were well past their prime, and they, they weren't very physical, not nearly as, as athletic as they should be to have a successful run game. It just... If that's the route that they want to, to go, then, yeah, the, the way that they built this roster was confounding. Matt Paris, Washington Times. Again, if you're just joining us, the news out of Ashburn is that the commanders will be moving on from Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. What type of opening is this as it pertains to the weapons moving forward, the wide receivers, the running back, the quarterback position? How sure are we they can do better than Scott Turner if Rivera's going into a lame duck season? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It kind of reminds me of when, uh, you know, you think about a few years ago when Jay Gruden looked at uh, upgrades for Greg Minuski. They didn't weren't able to land Todd Bowles, so they kept Minuski in place. You know, if Turner's actually out, then they'll have to find someone sooner or later. But, you know, like, <laughs> does does Rivera stick with that uh, Air Coyel tree? I mean, I'd be surprised if he uh, changed up the scheme as a whole, but yeah, I mean, the, the list of names that are out there, I mean, who even knows, you know, Rob, like you look at his former uh, coordinators in Carolina, like Rob Chesinski is in a, is in Boston college now. And, you know, he's not coaching in the NFL any longer. Mike Shula's in Buffalo. Um, it just, you know, it's, it's too early to speculate on uh, actual replacements at this point. Matt, thank you as always, buddy. Appreciate the time. 
Thank you. And I can confirm what our own J.P. Finley here at uh, 106.7 The Fan has reported, who's going to join us on the show in just a couple of minutes. But I've heard that, in fact, it is official. Scott Turner is out as the offensive coordinator after three seasons in D.C. as Ron Rivera's offensive designer and play caller. So the search for an O.C. begins immediately for Washington. Rivera did not waste any time on this. Give them credit. Let's get more from our update anchor, Earl Forsey, right now. We'll come back and discuss this next on G&D. Breaking sports news on the fan presented by BetQL, Smarter Bets. Start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. So you heard it, the report just a few minutes ago from our J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington that sources confirmed to him the commanders have parted ways with offensive coordinator Scott Turner. You heard Grant Paulson also just confirmed the news a short time ago, Ron Rivera today in the season-closing press conference asked about potential changes. Well, I think um, you know we're going to evaluate and see how we can get better, more so than anything else. I mean, it, it, there's a fine line when, when you start doing things. Um, and when you do them, you've got to make sure that you're doing them for the right reasons and they're going to create the right opportunities for you. Again, this year, Commanders with one of the top defenses in the NFL, but the offense lacked behind 20th in yards per game, 28th in the league and yards per play 25th in red zone offense they were number one in time of possession but scoring offense was number 24 and the finger points at Scott Turner offensive coordinator reportedly fired let go by the commanders today out in Ashburn with breaking sports news from the fan sports desk I'm Earl Forsey 1067 the fan And how did you think Scott Turner did as offensive coordinator this year? I think Scott did his job, did the things that he, he tried to do, and you know we're going to self-evaluate and go through that process. That's Ron Rivera. We're Grant and Danny. Welcome back. You're listening to The Fan. The breaking news right now we're reacting to is Scott Turner's dismissal after three years as offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't get excited about and will never be happy about guys losing their job. Maybe it's just my time in on the beat or around the locker room or whatever. You're talking about human beings with families and having to uproot and move, and there's a lot of moving parts that can happen you know, when people get fired, which is what happened with Scott Turner. On top of that, he grew up here. He went to Oakton High School. Yep. I remember having a conversation with him about a year ago where he said, all I want to do is call plays for this team for as long as I can. This is where I've always wanted to be. And so on days like today, that's sad. But this is a results business. It's a put-up-or-shut-up business. It's a... Score points, or you got questions to answer business in that role, and they didn't score enough of them. Uh, J.P. Finley, of course, from B. Mitch and Finley earlier in the day, in middays right here on 106.7, the fan was first on the story, and he joins us right now. So, J.P., what else can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Grant. It always sucks reporting on guys getting canned. Um, Like you said, Scott's a local guy. Um, And, and dude, I don't think – the offense had a lot of problems. I don't think Scott was was without guilt in the offensive struggles. I think he was certainly a, a big part of it. But I, I think a lot of this is you, you can't fire bad quarterbacks and you can't fire bad offensive line. Um, you know, what we know right now is, is, is Scott is out. They're going to look far and wide for a replacement. I, I wouldn't expect anything immediate. 
Um, I think, you know, the, the kind of the prudent move is to look at the Rivera coaching tree and, and go back to Carolina. And uh, Grant, I think we were all kind of joking about possible candidates in the press box on Sunday. Like, yeah, and by that, I, JP, I, you're right. We were. It meant that I just pulled up the list of all-time OCs in Carolina and we just ran through them because it's going to be one of those guys, right? What if they tried something yeah, different and I mean, it was it someone who be, wasn't in Carolina? Know? Yeah, well, you got to wonder – what kind of like there's it sure seems like a new owner's coming and maybe they are thinking a little differently as far as when they had Dan and Tanya they were able to run this thing however they wanted and they were able to pretty much just get the Panthers band back together maybe they're going to look a little different at this opportunity to to rebuild an offense and maybe we don't go to Mike Shula or, you know, somebody that worked for him that helped him develop Cam Newton or something. Maybe we, we shake the trees of all these new young offensive minds coming out. But then, you know, if you hear Ron and Martin talk today about they want to be a run-first philosophical team, it, it seems like they're going to hire somebody that would agree with that philosophy. And I think one of the things we've all kind of considered with the timing of this potential sale is that, like, it sure looks like Ron and Mayhew and the staff get another year. Just what's the fastest this timing is going to go? And I'm sure you've heard crazy rumors and I've heard crazy rumors, but I think most likely, I think an accelerated timeline would get ownership change approved by the end of March at the big NFL annual league meetings. If that happens, you've already missed the coaching hiring cycle. Uh, you've already missed the first two weeks of the league year. So you've missed, the biggest bulk of free agents. Um, you really want to start over new then? I, I, I find I, I find that hard to believe. And, and typically, if you're going to blow out a front office, that doesn't happen until after the draft. But this situation is so unique because Ron is the front office. So I, I, I don't know. I, if you had to guess, they're going to look for somebody that will impart their run first, let's hammer the ball philosophy. J.P. Finlay with us here on Grant and Danny. Uh, J.P., what offensive coordinator worth the damn would want to do that? Like, in, in other words, someone that looks like it's going to be here in a lame duck year for for probably us. There's season. just not that many jobs. Right. There are there a are hundred dudes that would sign up for it. But I guess, well, let, me, let me rephrase it then. Would it be anybody that would be excited about Because if they want someone to just to, to call run plays... Uh, then I guess you could find you know any any high school coach here in the Concord district that would that would want to do that. I just can't imagine a quality candidate that would be willing to step forward there. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, I think there's a few things, right? I think well, one, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but apparently Ron just put out a statement. Um, I'm just going to read it. I met with Coach Turner today and informed him that we will be moving in another direction going forward with the offense coordinator position. Unfortunately, we did not live up to the expectations and standard that I expected to see from our offensive unit. I felt was, it was best for a fresh start at the coordinator position heading into next year. I have tremendous amount of respect for Scott and thanked him for his three years of service to our organization. I wish Scott and his family all the best in the future. Um, so who would want the job, Danny? I, I think you go two ways. Um, and one way I don't think will be exciting at all, but you go to a dude that Ron knows has worked. Because just because... Like, we always think it's somebody from Carolina, but Ron and Del Rio had never worked together. But Del Rio was, was out of football, obviously a sharp defensive mind, but he was out of the game, and Ron brought him back in and gave him a, a real opportunity. 
I think there are folks like that that are older that could come in and probably understand what Ron is looking to do that would have, you know, legit experience. Um, and I think there are, are candidates that would probably jump at something like that. And then the other side of this, there are young guys that if you are a quarterback's coach or a run game coordinator or a pass game coordinator on a successful offense, somewhere around the league, and this is your chance to go be an OC and be a play caller, I, I don't think you'd look at it lightly because as the trend towards young offensive minds getting head coaching jobs continues around the NFL, most of those guys hire an OC, right? But they're not the play caller. Like, Wes Phillips with the Vikings, is you would give him a lot of credit as the offense coordinator for that Vikings team, but Kevin O'Connell's still calling the plays. So he's the OC, but he's not the play caller. I mean, well, a, here's an a example of, to what you're talking about, right? Is like Matt LaFleur. In Matt LaFleur, yeah. He left coaching under Sean McVay in LA to go to Tennessee with Vrabel yeah. to be the play yeah. caller to prepare for the head coaching job. Here's the only problem, though, because I think what you're saying makes some sense, JP. The issue, I think, with them as being an enticing place for an up and coming hot shot candidate is if you think you're going to get another opportunity, you might wait in that. A, the sure. quarterback situation has been really, really bad, and you can make the case may have just cost Scott Turner his one crack at this thing. But also, on top of that, you you remember when Jay Gruden was trying to find a D.C. going into what was like lame duck type seasons for him, and guys were turning yeah. him down left and right? We're going to have him on at five. I'm going to ask him about it. But this is year four for Rivera with the new owner, and they're basically walking in to a win or you're done season. So if, if the head coach gets blown out after you come in as an OC, you're out after one year. That's not a great situation. Yeah, I, and, like, who would be the hottest name right now? Uh, the dude in Philly, Steichen? Like, they're not getting him or, or Kafka from the Giants. Like, people that are going to garner real head coaching interest, no one's going to look at this that's on a staff now for a lateral move. Even even a coordinator like the LaFleur situation where he left to take a lateral move so he could be play caller, I don't think if somebody was with a top team that was an OC but not the play caller, somebody in L.A. or San Fran or even Green Bay, wherever you want to pick, like I, I, I could see them not taking this position. But there are lots of teams with, with candidates that would view this as an opportunity. I, I, there's – it's, how does Dan? Keep, how do people keep working for Dan Snyder? There's only so many of these jobs. True. The only other thing too that needs to be added to this, I think that the lame duck element could be a factor, mm -hmm. right? Quarterback situation as an OC would worry me a little bit. Also, the quarterback thing's huge. You better be ready to come in here and run the football. And if you have your own ideas in 2023 of what it should look like. Get ready to ram your head against the wall. And that's kind of my point. Is you somebody think who... Rivera had come to Jesus scream, screaming fests with Scott Turner where he told him, hey, you're not running it enough? Or Martin Mayhew in a presser you were at, JP, an hour and a half ago or whatever, just said he was pumped because they ran the ball twice as much as they threw it. And that's what they want to be. Like, that. Yeah, dude, that's a thing. They said all that completely, completely true. I just don't always buy it. Like, when, when they traded for Carson, it was because he's got this big arm and we're going to, we got all these receivers and we can't wait to open it up. After they, you know, they, they, what they score in the opener? 30, 29 28, against yeah. Jacksonville. And, and Carson went for, say it was 340, whatever it was. Nobody was screaming about running the ball then. They realized that their quarterback sucked. Their O line sucked. Their only path forward was running the ball. So I, I think. Is I their quarterback going to be better this year? 
I mean, it could be Sam Howe. I think he'll be better than Wentz was. No, no, but sure. that, that's not it, what I'm saying. My point is, it. it could be a fifth round pick getting his second career start in the first. Totally. Not I, in week I guess 18. My point is, they're not going to be slinging it around. This, they're saying this run the ball stuff. I'm not entirely sure I believe that. What do you make of. They're like, oh, sorry, they, JP. they change what they say all the time. No, you're good. No, t- but well, I, I would say the proof's been in the pudding. I mean, they've run the ball <laughs> more than a 1936 offense. Since about week five. Now, if your point is it's because they hate their quarterbacks, that could be true. I mean, they, they handpicked those guys, but that could be true. So let me ask you this, JP. Going back to the, before this game this weekend, where I think we all got surprised by how well they played, they dominated uh, the, the, uh, the Cowboys. But before then, you saw Sam Fortier's story. You see this pulse of so many different players speaking about this, people with knowledge of the play calling speaking about Scott Turner. I don't get the sense, and again, by all accounts, a good dude, but I don't get the sense that he was tremendously well-supported uh, in the organization. Does it feel, A, just A, your thoughts on that, but B, it feels like he's kind of like the scapegoat right now for this underachieving group. I think both parts could be true, Danny. I, I think, I, I mean, I imagine all of us grew frustrated with the offense and the play calling, and was there any sort of, you know, did, did stuff that was happening early in games set up play action or, or some variation of something late in games? And were you setting something up in week four to reuse in week seven and make defenses second-guess themselves? Like, I, I think kind of those big-picture questions were there about the play calling. I think they're legitimate. And then, you know, I, I think the Giants game, they got away from the run, period. And they shouldn't have. Regardless of what era the offense was, they were gashing the Giants on the ground and they just stopped doing it. The second Giants game at home where – you know, Robinson's hitting him for seven yards a carry, and he gets four carries in the second half of that game. So <laughs> then you go to San Fran, and you're going up against a top defense. But the Browns game is my understanding. They've worked on a game plan all week. About halfway through the first quarter, they realized, or somebody realized, that the quarterback's not going to be able to do this, and they just chucked the game plan out of the window. I think that bothers people. Like, what are we working on all week if we're not going to stick with it, right? So, yeah, I, I – this one isn't a surprise on a lot of levels. I, I think, you know, you know, there maybe are some players that look forward to new play calling. I just, to the scapegoat question, I think there's probably some of that. I mean, team hasn't performed. You were seven and five. You finished year eight, eight and one. Your offense is 24th in points, 20th in yards. And just the eye test, it, it never really worked. Like, Something's, something's got to give, and, and I think in this situation it was Scott. Scott Turner out, if you're just joining us. The breaking news out of Ashburn and J.P. Finley at it first. He is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Commanders. They have fired their three-year O.C. Uh, they will move on and find a new offensive coordinator and play caller. Uh, the search begins immediately. J.P., great insight uh, and uh, tip of the cap on the report as well. We appreciate you hopping aboard. No sweat, boys. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. There's J.P. Finley. Of course, B. Mitch and Finley tend to two every day right here on The Fan and NBC Sports Washington as well. All right, phone lines are open if you guys want to react. Many of you have been giving Scott Turner thoughts and opining about his future for days and days here. He's out, and they didn't waste any time. I was told they were going to take a week to really dig deep into all of the big decisions they had on this staff, but Rivera didn't waste an hour here after his press conference. Apparently, Turner was told right away today that uh, he's not coming back. So they will be looking for an offensive coordinator. Your thoughts on that? Danny, I want to dive into what kind of job this is. And also, 
how difficult it is to evaluate an OC when you never get adequate quarterback play as well. Because, look, yeah, this is Scott Turner might not be that great, but if your quarterbacks don't play better for the next guy, I don't care if Mike Martzen 99's coming in here, you're not going to put up the yards and the points everyone's looking for if you can't solve that position. We're Grant and Danny. You're listening to the fan. Jay Gruden joins us in 13 minutes on Grant and Danny. How's that for timing? We found out this hour, breaking news out of Ashburn, Scott Turner's been fired by the Commanders after three years as their offensive coordinator. Here's how the team ranked in yards per play and scoring offense over his three years calling the shots. 2020, they were 31st and 26th. 2021, they were 21st and 24th. 2022, they were 28th and 24th. I think it's perfectly reasonable with those results that you don't get a fourth year. Perfectly, absolutely understandable. Uh What's pretty surprising, honestly, is that he got an extension last offseason. And one of the only reasons why I think people thought there was a chance he might be back was that Ron Rivera gave him an extension last offseason. Despite that, He's out as the offensive coordinator today, just two days after the season ended. The search for an OC begins. I want to make it clear, though, my defense is not of Scott Turner's performance. I think he didn't do enough, and moving on from him was probably warranted. When I decided for the first time that they had to go in a different direction was when Sam Fortier was able to find nine players in that locker room who basically questioned Scott Turner without their name in the newspaper. I knew right then they had a pretty big problem. You're probably not moving forward with him. That was the end of the road for me. I would also say, though, that there is not a play caller in this league who is not going to look a lot worse with bad quarterback play. Not an excuse. And so when you have Haskins and the the year one that they had with with, uh, Alex Smith on one leg and Heineke and then Heineke and six throws from Fitzpatrick... And then this year, the the carousel that they went on with Wentz. They need to solve quarterback to help the next coordinator. Because in a lot of ways, you're set up to fail when you're given a bad quarterback room. That said, Scott Turner was also not good enough. And two things can be true, by the way. They They could be bad at quarterback, and he could be a bad offensive coordinator. Yeah, that, that could be true. To me, this was a no-brainer to, to move on from. Yeah, uh, not a surprise at all. Yeah, so no, no issue there. I think it was the right call. The next thing is you're going to move on from the quarterback, who was it directly at fault for their offense stinking. Check. That's that's on its way, right? Whether they do better than – they're moving on from Carson Wentz. Whether they do better than Heineke, I think it's TBD. But all the phases are going to be reborn. The part that I care about the most is this is a strange time to be a, 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 an aspiring OC for the Washington group. Right, I mean, anybody worth their salt is going to hear that press conference and the idea that we're going to run the ball a million times, not score any points. My rankings are going to be terrible. I'll probably either have a journeyman quarterback or a fifth rounder uh, making a second career start. There's not a great chance I'm a hot coaching candidate after I put up great numbers here because of those circumstances that you mentioned. I think both things are very true. Scott Turner, not a good OC. Perfectly fine making that determination. Period. Next paragraph. Not a great situation for an offense right now this minute. 
bad line, bad quarterback play, you know, dinosaur uh, staff and people in the higher ranks who want to play like it's 1985. That's not a great recipe for a young hotshot to come in here and do well. Yeah, I would not hire Scott Turner to be my offensive coordinator if I was a head coach in the NFL based on the last three years. That That's the best evaluation of his work <laughs> that I could give you. I don't think he's particularly good at this. I also wonder what direction they go in now. Who is going to come in here in what I perceive to be a gotta-have-it fourth year for this staff at best, and at worst, a lame duck season. If you have a new owner, and after one year of being hired by Ron Rivera, you're blown out, are you really getting another crack at this? And your only season is either going to be a veteran learning a new playbook, journeyman type perhaps, or a fifth-round pick getting his one opportunity in, in possibly like a 6-11 and 11 type year, if that's what this all becomes. Are you jumping at that chance? I really believe this ends up being an older name. One of Ron's buddies. Kicked around the the, the, the block for a while. Like a Pat Shermer kind of guy or a Mike Shula who was the, the OC with the Panthers when they went to the Super Bowl with Cam Newton, who I think is in the Bills organization right now. Like To me, those are the types of calls they're going to be making. Here is what I think is is the best news of, of all of this, though, is doesn't this give you some hope that maybe they'll be able to, to do whatever they want this offseason and be aggressive and go out there and make moves? Because think about it. Huh. Scott Turner was under contract already. That was already someone that you paid. You didn't have to worry about spending that cash necessarily. From the, the standpoint of wondering what are they going to be able to accomplish with the ownership change looming, this makes me think someone gave Rivera the go-ahead to make this move. Like, you don't get to fire I hadn't a thought guy of it who that makes. Way. That's I, interesting. I don't know what uh, he makes, but coordinators make a million dollars or more. Uh-huh. Like, are you really going to fire an offensive coordinator and go hire another one? You're paying out the rest of his contract after an extension and going and getting some somebody else to do that job, probably make similar money. Someone had to say, yeah, go ahead, no problem. That's Dan and Tanya Snyder right now, or that's whoever's pulling the strings maybe who's going to be next. But that gives me some hope that maybe they'll be able to actually make the moves that they want to. I hadn't thought of it from that angle, but that's a, that's an astute point. I mean, to me, this this was, was set up. as soon as I had the feeling this was coming. Then I saw Sam Fortier's article over the weekend, and I go, well, I see the playbook here. This is, we're going to blame that guy. Never mind who decided on who the quarterback was going to be. Never mind who made the call to go from one guy to the other guy. Never mind the brain trust that assembled this offense that wasn't very good in these circumstances that weren't going to lead uh, to good offensive results. Don't worry about that now. Don't worry about the man behind the glass. Scott Turner's fault. And that's how we're going to go forward. I hadn't thought of it from the you got to get the green light from somewhere type angle. That's interesting. You guys should line up now because we're going to get to the calls on this and we'll get them in the order of you guys waiting here at 800-636-1067. Your reacts to the big breaking news that Scott Turner's out after three years with the commanders as their OC. But also, what about that point? Do you feel better about Washington's ability maybe to make moves this offseason as far as the ownership sale? After today, knowing that Ron Rivera wanted to make an OC change and they made it. Jay Gruden is next right here on Grant and Danny on The Fan. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. 
whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.